Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eaglehawk Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll go to the sermon. And so let's hear the reading of Matthew 2, 1 to 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained that from, uh, from them what the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And this is the word of the Lord. Let's come and pray once more as we come to uh, this part of God's word. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, as we come to your word, we ask that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what it is that you are saying to us this morning. We pray that you would preach a better word into our hearts than what I have prepared. Lord, may we grow in our love for you always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how does the first Christmas play out in your head? Often we imagine Mary and Joseph entering Bethlehem with Mary riding on a donkey. And they go to three inns, all of which are full. But it's that last innkeeper who has pity on them and he takes them around the back to his stable where he houses his animals and it's there that Jesus is born. And that night, the shepherds come, having been sent by the angels. And then that same night again, the three wise men appear on their camels with their famous gifts, with the, the star shining just above the stable. See, that's the picture of, that, that you get 
if you receive a Christmas card with a nativity scene on it. Just this week, my family watched The Star, an animated Christmas movie, which is one of our Christmas traditions, and that's the picture of Christmas that we're left with. Now, to be clear, it's not a huge thing to complain about, and and some of these things might have been true, but for most of those details, we, we, we can't know whether they're accurate or not. But even if we're unsure about the exact details, we're not sure, maybe in our own minds, which bits of the story are imagined and which bits are recorded in the Bible, we can know with certainty what we're meant to do in response to Jesus coming at Christmas. The call of Christmas, the encouragement in the coming of the wise men, is simple. It's simple, but life-changing. The call is, worship the King. That's what the wise men did, and what we should do. Worship the King. We'll explore the passage under three headings. First, in verses 1 to 2, we see, wise men seek Him. Uh, And then second, in verses 3 to 8, we see King Herod fears him. And third, verses 9 to 12, wise men worship him. And so should we. Worship the king. So let's look at verses 1 to 2, our first heading, wise men worship him. Sorry, wise men seek him. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Now, what what questions jump out at you as you read those words? Whenever I start writing a sermon, one of the first things I do is I sit down and I read through the passage and I write down all the questions that I have. Some of them are simple, some of them are harder, and there are some that we can't know the answers to. One of my questions this week was, who are these men? In the carol that we sing, they're called Three Kings, We three kings of Orient are, but that's unlikely. They weren't kings. In the Greek, they're called magoi, or magi is what we call them, which is where we get the word magic from. So they weren't like the wise men that we might imagine, the, the, the smartest people formulating all the clever plans. These wise men, they were, they were stargazers. They were astrologers. They were involved in practices that were forbidden to God's people. God had forbidden them to do these things. We're not meant to look to the stars for messages or meaning. They're meant to point us to God's glory. But one day, as these magic men gaze up at the stars, they saw something new. There's been many attempts to try and explain what it was. Maybe it was a comet or a supernova or or something completely supernatural. 
Whatever it was, this thing in the sky announced the birth of the king of the Jews. Just pause for a moment and think about how gracious God is with these people, these wise men. There was no natural way for them to hear that God had sent his son. No way for them to hear about the birth of his son. So God could have sent to them an angel to tell them. But instead, he spoke to them in their language, through the stars. Now, his people were forbidden from looking for messages from the stars, but these people were doing it. What would God have done if these people were trying to get messages through tea leaves? or tarot cards. Maybe he would have communicated through those. Not because they were suddenly acceptable. He hasn't now given permission for these things, but he reached out to these wise men who knew nothing about God, nothing about sin and judgment. They knew none of that. And he reached out to them in a way that they could understand. This doesn't give us permission now to look for messages in, in our horoscope or any of those other methods of fortune-telling. Those are still off-limits. And if you're not a Christian, this isn't an invitation for you to try and search for God somewhere else. So he was kind to these people who had no access to his word, no way of hearing about Jesus, But you're here now. You are now hearing God's word, read and taught. And he is inviting you right now to be like the wise men, to hear his message that the king has been born. He is calling you to follow in their footsteps to seek Jesus like they did. So keep listening. And if you do, you can find the king. You can find God himself. How did the wise men react? Well, they they sought the king. God told them about Jesus, and so they left their homes. They made the very long journey from the east to Israel. Now, we sometimes have an image of a bright light sort of being just in front of them as they went, leading them on, almost as if, uh, almost as if it's a, a ball of string being uh, pulled bit by bit away from a very eager and playful cat. Now, that seems very unlikely. The truth is we don't know that the star was physically leading them in front of them and they were following in that direction. It might simply have been the case that it was in the sky proclaiming the message that the king of Israel had been born. And where do you find the king of Israel? In Jerusalem. And so off they went. They followed the message of the star. That's possibly what it means. And so when they arrive in Jerusalem, they announce their intentions. They've come to worship him, to worship the newborn king, verse 2. That word worship could just mean pay homage, to to bow down before a human king. But whatever the wise men meant, having read through chapter 1, we know that it should mean worship. 
He'd save his people from their sins. He's God with us. We should worship him. The wise men travelled an incredible distance to worship him. Would we do that? I was challenged by these words from J.C. Ryle, who was an English bishop in the 19th century. He said, Where is our self-denial? What pains do we take about the means of grace? What diligence do we show about following Christ? What does our religion cost us? These are serious questions. They deserve serious consideration. The truly wise, it may be feared, are very few. What is your faith costing you? A sleep in on Sunday? A coffee or a, or a new TV or that holiday because, because you'd prefer to invest that into the kingdom? Or are you only allowing it to cost you the bare minimum? Wise men seek him. In our second heading, verses, <clears throat> verses 3 to 8, we see King Herod fears him. Look at verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. See, the people of Jerusalem knew Herod well. He, he had assassinated people that he saw as a threat to his throne. And now wise men had come to Jerusalem announcing the birth of a king. The people did not love Herod. It did not matter that he had married into the Hasmonean family. The Hasmonean family were the ones who had led the rebellion against the Greeks, finally making Israel an independent nation after hundreds of years of being ruled by Babylonians and then Persians and then Greeks. Finally, Israel was free under the Hasmonean rule until Rome came. And now Herod, an Edomite, was king over them and he had married into that Hasmonean family. But he was an Edomite. He'd killed his wife and some of her family, this Hasmonean family. He killed some of them and at least two of his sons, all because he was wary, he was thinking that he was going to be betrayed by them. And now these wise men came seeking a newborn king. What would Herod do? It might have felt like a bomb was about to go off at any moment. There's a game that you can buy called Pass the Bomb, where you're given a toy bomb and there's a card with some letters on it. And you need to say a word which includes those letters and then pass on the bomb to someone else who they also need to think of another word to say, which includes those letters. And, and on and on it goes until finally the bomb goes off. The time is ticking down, but you have no idea how long you have. Games like that, they're a fun kind of stressful. But there's no fun in Jerusalem this day. Herod calls in the experts, and they knew the prophecies, and so he asked them, where was the Christ to be born? And they give a loose quotation from Micah 5. It's Bethlehem. Bethlehem, only nine kilometers away, about two to three hours' walk. And so Herod tells the wise men, because he doesn't want to alert 
suspicion from others, he tells them secretly in verse 7. The wise men, they'd gotten this far, they'd gotten to Jerusalem by following the star, but it's God's word which ultimately brings them to Christ. And it's always that way. God's word reveals Jesus to us. God's word brings us to him. Only as we read the word and and hear it preached and and hear the truths of Scripture sung or have it explained in an evangelistic conversation, only then can we come to Jesus. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, Paul says in Romans 10.17. Herod sends them on their way, telling them to let him know when they found him. We discover in the next passage why that is, but we can guess already, given his history, we'll explore that next week, he wants this child, this threat to his throne, eliminated. And here's the sad thing. The wise men go alone. No priests, no scribes go with them. Pagans have come adamant that the stars have announced the Christ's birth. They've travelled who knows how long to come and to worship him. And the chief priests and the scribes don't go with them. See, they know their Bibles. They should have been longing for the Messiah's coming. What stops them? I suspect it wasn't fear of Herod. They could have left secretly, in small groups if they needed to. There weren't security cameras with facial recognition on every street corner. How tragic that that those who knew where the Messiah was, the Christ, the eternal King, where he was to be born, they decide not to go. Not to join the wise men in bowing down to the newborn King. The wise men sacrificed their time and their energy to see the king, but the religious leaders don't. The religious leaders, like so many around us, are apathetic to Jesus. But Christians shouldn't be. These religious leaders were going through the motions of their duties at the temple, reading through the scriptures, teaching it, But they weren't really waiting for the king. They weren't expectant. Are you apathetic to Jesus? We've been in Advent for a few weeks. Advent means coming. It's where we celebrate the first coming of Jesus, but we also anticipate his second coming, where we're we're longing for his return. Now, you might not follow that tradition of, of Advent, But do you anticipate Jesus' return? Do you long for it? Does it fill you with joy that is coming? Do you pray about it, that he will bring the fullness of his kingdom, delivering his people from the tribulation of their sufferings, delivering us from even the temptation to sin? I fear that too often Christians are as apathetic about Jesus as non-Christians. Sure, we'll come to church, 
but the singing just doesn't seem to lift our hearts. We're not thirsty for God. We don't come together thirsty for God like a deer panting for water. We don't have a hunger which can only be satisfied by God's word. Are you filled with joy at the gospel? I hope you are, and I know some of you are. Does that joy ever flow out of you so that you just have to tell someone? Are you praying for people to be saved, to come to know King Jesus, the one that you know and love and are longing for? Christmas is a great time for our joy to be renewed. Not merely because we like the traditions, the the, the lights, the food, but because all these fun extras point us to the real spiritual realities, to the King who saved us. They should lead us to worship the King like the wise men were determined to do. We've seen the wise men seek Him and and King Herod fear Him. Now in our third heading, verses 9 to 12, we see wise men worship Him. And they call to us, worship the king. Look at verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Somehow, this star was leading them to Jesus. Probably it was leading them in the the general direction of Bethlehem. And from there, they started to ask for help, like they did in Jerusalem, asking for directions. Remember, this wasn't actually the night of Jesus' birth, despite what our nativity scenes and Christmas movies tell us. And this wasn't in a stable, it says this was in a house. And actually, we're not completely sure that Jesus was born in a stable, That might shock you, I don't know. He was placed in a manger, but it's possible that he was not in a stable, but in a poor house, which acted both as a place for people and animals. Maybe this is the same house that he was born in, with the manger still there. Or maybe it is the case that the the census which Luke's Gospel talks about is over, and so now now there's more places available in Bethlehem. But, but all of those little details, they're not what we should be focusing on. Verse 11, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Their journey to the king was over. And now... These astrologers bow before the one who created the stars. They worship him. And isn't it fascinating that in Matthew's gospel, the first people to recognize Jesus for who he is are Gentiles, pagans. Matthew was written mainly for a Jewish audience. And right at the start, he's saying that the Jews don't have exclusive right to the king. 
And actually, these Gentiles did better than the Jewish leaders. And that's a theme that's going to come up time and again through Matthew. And it will climax at the end of Matthew when Jesus sends out his disciples, telling them to go and make disciples of all the nations. These wise men bring their gifts to the king. Three gifts, which no doubt started the tradition that there were three wise men, even though we're not told their number. Now, they probably didn't know that their gifts could be symbols of this child's identity and his mission. But their gifts do speak a message. Gold, a gift for a king. Frankincense, something used by priests because Jesus is God. Myrrh, which is used for embalming the dead because Jesus would die for sinners. That's the message of one of my favourite Christmas carols, We Three Kings. Jesus, the king who is God, would die for his people, for people like these wise men. He would bear the punishment that sinners deserved, bringing new life. This is the Jesus we're to bow down to every moment of our lives. Not only at Christmas time or only on Sundays, we're to bow before the one who is king and God and sacrifice. Kids, be excited for Christmas. There's lots of great things to look forward to. There are presents, there are family, there's games, there's Christmas lights and decorations, there's lots of food. But don't forget what Christmas is really about. Don't forget that Christmas is all about Jesus and he is far better than any of those other things that you're going to have fun with. He loves you. And he came to earth as a baby so that he could make you part of his family forever. So that he could be with you forever. And that's the best news that you will ever hear And he's the best friend that you could ever have. There will be times in your life where you will feel awful. You'll yell and scream at people. Or maybe if that's not your personality, you'll quietly do the wrong thing and then you'll get caught. And you'll be down in the dumps, wondering how anyone could ever love you. But Jesus does. He is the God who came to be king so that he could die for you. That's how much he loves you. And so worship the king. Love him every day. Talk to him every day. And know that he loves you. And grown-ups, Christmas is not just for kids. When you see the decorations and the lights, when you hear the carols and when you gather with family and you enjoy too much food, it is time for you to have joy. Like the wise men rejoiced exceedingly with great joy when they saw the star, you can rejoice as you see all the blessings that God has given you. As you remember the forgiveness you've received, the love that you've been shown, 
This Christmas, be reinvigorated in your faith. Worship the King. Love Him with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. Lay aside every weight and sin which, which clings so closely. Devote yourself to knowing God more deeply through His Word, expressing your praise and dependence on Him in prayer. Devote yourself to the bride the Lord Jesus gave His life for and long for his coming. Glorious now, behold him arise, King and God and sacrifice. Alleluia, alleluia, sounds through the earth and skies. Let's worship the King. And let's pray. Our God in heaven, we do worship you. We do thank you for sending Jesus, who is indeed our King, who is to be worshipped and adored. We praise you for him and we ask that we would love him with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength, that we would not become apathetic to him, that time would not make him more familiar to us. But Lord, may we, as we enjoy Christmas, as we participate in all the traditions, may these things not distract us from Jesus, but actually point us to him and give us great joy and renew our joy. Our God, may we be known for our joy, our joy that the Lord Jesus Christ has come and that he does save sinners. We pray that we would see that salvation even in this church, that people would come to know you through our ministry. Lord, as Christmas comes, may we have opportunities to share the truth of Christmas with people, to speak about, to speak about Jesus and to invite people to know him and to hear more of him. Our God, may we be wise. May we worship the King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church, and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's Word. Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.